Hello, dearest friends, fans, and listeners. Welcome to Make Believe Heroes, an actual play, 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons adventure for all ages. As you may have surmised, this is the final episode of Season 2. Well, sort of. There is an epilogue coming next week, and honestly, it's less of an epilogue. It's truly the final episode of Season 2, but it's also a branch into the future seasons of this show. So we're not going to take any time tonight to do a mid-roll or anything like that. As soon as the music starts, you'll witness this journey all the way through until the end. So I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening, for sticking with us through this second season. I know things have been a little different this time than they were in season one with hashtag save the tree. But here we are, finally ready to give you as many answers as we can through this, the finale, and the epilogue next week. And so that's enough from me. Are you ready to find out what happens with Misk? and Miles, with Saul, Kjorg, and Brackle. What of Braxen Tarek? What of this dark ritual? What of the Solaran sisters? Let's find out. It is my great pleasure to present to you the finale for Make Believe Heroes Season 2. Each year, for seven days leading up to the summer solstice, the city of Branshire holds a festival in honor of the great god Paylor. Ladies and gentlemen, come on, Kjord. You think that's good enough? Come on, people, cheer him on. Let's go, Kjord. Hello, peasants. Nice of you to uh, have an entourage waiting for me. <laughs> peasants. I think you should fetch what, a slave for me. What are you doing? Maybe we should fetch a stretcher. Can I take a swing at him? Burn! Oh, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> you bring a knife to a fist fight with the people's champions? I arrive on the plane and immediately am attacked by a half-orc? What? Who are you people? I'm Satsaurus, the Nine Hells Prince. Uh, turn around. You see a figure standing there. It's a tallish human man. There's really only one thing about this guy that stands out, and that is this very beautiful, ornate rapier that's on his hip. Oh. And on the handle, there is a golden son of Paylor. Well, I didn't think I would find you at all on this plane. How long have you been here? Okay, okay. Calm down. Brackle, I know that you've sustained some small injuries, but if you could recover soon enough, I would like to discuss the possibility of garnering your aid. I don't trust Braxton Tarek. I need you to ignore his summons. I need you to be out of this city before the sun rises. It's not really what it looks like. This guy. Uh, it looks like that tiefling <laughs> is cutting the ears off of the prisoner. Brackle, is that? Is that? Is he? Is he cutting his ears off? Okay, that's uh, exactly what. He's it got looks ears like. on a chain around his neck. <laughs> They're all looking with bated mm, breath as Cure holds the pot over his head with a hammer in his hand, he's looking about to from person it. to person as the sun sets. It's the people's champion! Oh my gosh, do you seriously claim that thing? Oh, hello. I'm Juniper. Who are you? It's the people's champion! I don't know if that's wise, Kjorg. Oh my. Come out! Come out! Wherever you are, you bush enchanter! (laughs) Welcome, esteemed guests, to our glorious abode. My name is Quentin Zildaris. I'm the caretaker of the Tower Sylvondale. And there's a figure sitting on the bench, and he is playing a song. It is 
beautiful, a little bit somber, and he begins to sing. What will you do, Satsaris? The moment approaches when you will be forced to choose between helping others or helping yourself. Did the four of you ever think that you would find yourselves here in the presence of the greatest of the Dracon Kelly? I am Hopenkel, the true, the silver dragon, the wisest amongst us, and I will put you now to the test. Show me what you're worth. You shall smite down the children of darkness, Kjorg. Let this weapon be an extension of your arm. And when great challenge rears its head, may it be the power that you need. Overcome the darkness within, Misk. Do what Dimvarga could not. It's Kjorg. Are you scared now? Tell me, Kjorg. Oh my gosh. Is Misk with you? You signed the scroll in your own blood. And when you do, it glows with a red light. Great. The halfling rolls it up. He gives a nod to the shiv. He says, it's done. And now, Misk, you belong to me. My lady. Your lady? What do you mean? And he's like taking a double take back and forth between Zahn and her and Brackle. It's it's Brianna. My name is Uranus Galadir. Welcome to the gathering of the Anorians. Nice to meet you, Uranus. Raxantaric has lied about everything which he has spoken since he has first entered into the gates of Branshai, and we plan to rectify that. How do you plan to do that? It's simple. We're going to kill him. When you read the words, what was chained will be unleashed, you all get this unnatural sense of dread. What was chained will be unleashed. What was chained will be unleashed. And it's getting loud in your ears. What was chained will be unleashed. Shut up. Imagine with me that there was something so crooked that the world forgot. If these agents of darkness succeed in their goal, they will unleash on this world an evil that will wreak havoc, not just on Branshire, not just on humankind and the halflings, not just on Fallen Grove and Venthaven and the dwarves deep in Dimmerhold, but all of Manumi, even as far as the Nine Hills. My name is... John, I'm trying to find the Shiv. I need to talk to him. It's a bit urgent. It's not really a sort of leave a message sort of situation. Is he here? Um, you got a last name with that? I mean, he knows a lot of people. You think I'm going to just say John? He's going to know who yeah, you are? Yeah, I know. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's John Varig. Tying him up in the sheets as fast as possible. Okay. Rackle, get the window. Uh, I go and open the window. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm visibly shook. Kjorg, <laughs> get rid of this. I'm going to throw him out the window. <laughs> You're standing over what looks like a giant pit. Between you is this great chasm, and coming up from below you is this sound like nothing that you've ever heard before. Well, Braxton and Shiv and John and John... John who? John Varig. John Varig. Bring us Braxton Tarek. Now. Bridget, is that you? Bridget. No. Who is? Who are you? My name's Tyriella. I'm Bridget's younger sister. This is ritual. This is this is a blood sacrifice. Saul, we have no time for this. 
He pulls out his rapier and stabs John Berg in the chest. Oh, God. Oh my God. Zon! I don't know if this is good for me or not. When you say that, he says, Perhaps you should kneel. And you all know, here stands Bridget Tarek, the lady of Branchar. You hear her say this, and you turn to react, but before anything else can happen, you feel as these four darts of force just thump into the back of your head, and your eyes roll up, and you go down. Miles! No! No, 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 no! You'll stay right where you are, Misk. If you don't mind, I would like to, um, show you exactly what it is I can do. Aranus gives a slight bow, never taking his eyes off of the gray-headed, scarred halfling, and he says, Please, be my guest. I thought that you were under his spell. You've been held captive, and Bridget just laughs. <laughs> No, no, I've not been held captive, Brianna. Braxton showed me true power, and trust me, when you see it, you'll want it too. I want it. I want it. <laughs> you say that? Yeah, I'm going to try to persuade her to let me go. She leans down your face. She says, trust me, soon. You'll get a really good look. So she froze me. I had two daggers pointed at each of her sisters and was glaring down her face. Okay. Can I cast Magic Missile and kill Tyriella? <sighs> no, I don't think so. Not her. You, you can't. We'll say that you start, like, muttering, like, trying, to, just trying to get it to work. <laughs> and then she's like, I, 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 and when she does, your tongue and your mouth just start frozen, just like the rest of you. Saul hates that. Oh, he is so glaring. All the darts. It's almost time now, sisters. And you'll help me when she says that, that amulet, it's it's still spinning, but it kind of starts to glow brighter and her eyes kind of turn purple. And Tyriella and Brianna both kind of stand up straighter, glossy eyed. And she says, oh, I think, yes, that that'll be, that'll be my beloved now. And the door behind you opens and stepping through the door is Braxton Tarek with his head held up high, his chin up. A grin spread all the way across his face. Ah, beloved. I see you've got some presents for me. Sweetheart, and she runs down the steps and just jumps in his arms and gives him a big hug and they kiss a little bit too passionately. It's kind of gross. And uh, funneling in behind them are three guys, you know, burly looking dudes, human, his henchmen, you you know, more of his guys he's got with him. He says, it's almost time now, darling. The sun, it's setting. It's almost dusk. We're almost there. Are you ready? She says, oh, I'm, I've, I've been waiting for so long. Let's, can we go now? Let's, let's go now. They're ready. I've got Brianna and and Tariella. They're ready to help us to finish. Uh, of, of course, yes. Thank you. Thank you, my darling. He's, he turns to his man. He says, grab the three and let's go. They come up and they grab you and they kind of throw the three of you over their shoulder and you all are carried through the house, down the steps, mm. into the cellar. <laughs> the door is wide open where you left it. Are we back in the bird cages? They grab a couple of torches. You walk through. You're, you're fully aware during this whole thing. You just can't move your body. You're going down the steps. Brianna and Tyriella, you all can see, are just walking patiently behind you. They have just completely blank looks on their faces as they're just walking down. You walk through the tunnel. They, they've got torches. They're carrying them now, so you can see now. You can see clearly. It's like you thought it was. It's just a clean cavern. You walk around the bend. You turn the other bend, and you, you walk that way. You come to the door. 
they open the door and you all step into the chamber. Braxton just laughs. <laughs> Here we are after everything that you all tried, all of your foolish and inane attempts to undermine me from the shadows, your resistance that you've brought knocking on the gates of Branshire. Uh, every step of the way, I was ahead of you. And in spite of all your efforts, in spite of all of your planning and your gathering and your plotting and secret meetings to the south, all of it led you right here, exactly where I wanted you. I could not have planned this better. I could have. Oh, Brackle, I am certain that of course you could have planned it so much better than I, simple me. And Saul, I am certain you would have much to say about the matter, if only you could speak. How poetic is it that now, here, at the end of everything, there you stand, unable to move that forked tongue of yours. It is, it's pretty great, actually. I can't disagree with you there. <laughs> what funny you both said that. Uh, he just laughs. <laughs> Saul, Saul, even these, your friends, can't help but wonder if this world would not be better without you in it. I didn't say that. I just said that without his mouth. Yeah, me neither. Well, we'll find out soon enough. How do you like my altar? It's of my own design, of course. It's a little too needly for my taste. Oh, yes, everyone does have that innate fear of needles, don't they? I suppose perhaps that was part of my thinking, my inspiration when I was designing it. You can see now he's like kind of, you know, that he's in front of you and they've like set you up against a wall sitting there so you can got a good view of the middle of the room. Brianna and Tyrell are kind of just standing off to the side and Bridget's got a hold of his arm, like just endearingly just staring up into his eyes and his men are just kind of standing off to one side. He says, the needles were of my own design. I have a sort of knack for these things, you might say, but pretty soon you'll have a much better idea of what exactly it is that we have planned for the three of you. Such valiant heroes come to protect the honor of Branshire. Oh, well, what might that be? Why, Kjorg, haven't you yet figured it out? And he kind of like lifts a hand up, pointing it toward the ceiling. The beautiful, immaculate, pristinely designed golden sun of Pelor, shining right above us. You know where we are, right? We are right in the center of the Temple of Pelor, and this is where we will have our sacrifice. How perfect is that? Okay, Cersei. Saul just is smiling, that's all he can do. He kind of prances over a little bit. He gets right down in Saul's face. He says, Oh, Saul, I can see it in your eyes. You have something to say, don't you? You're just dying to. We'll go on. Say it. Say it. What is it? I, I can't hear you. Can I speak now? No, you can't speak. He stands up. He's kind of got his hands behind his back. He looks back at Bridget. He says, Oh, go on. Let the boy speak. And you can feel your lips kind of loosen up. My lips loosen up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I never thought that I would be the one saving the world. Just wait, Braxton. Just wait. Maybe it'll be after I crawl out of hell the second time. He gets right down your face, and he's grinning, but that grin kind of fades, and he just gets this really serious look on his face, and he says, Oh, Saul, when we set him free, 
There'll be no more hells. <laughs> Your kingdom? <laughs> Your kingdom is nothing, said Saurus. Manumi is nothing. The gods? <laughs> Palor? When he is released, Dervetter will tremble on his throne. When he is released, the forests of Atonia will bow to him. When he is released, the seas of Prevalian will give up their dead. What was chained will be unleashed. That purple floor starts glowing. Ah, oh, I believe that is our cue. What perfect timing. He turns around, he says, I believe it's dusk, my dear. Now, men, shall we begin? And when he says that, they come up from behind Bridget and they grab her. And he holds out his hand. Bridget, my beloved, my dear, my wife, if we could, I'm afraid we're going to need your blood. The Shiv throws one of his swords toward Aranus, and they go into all-out combat. You see spells flying from the elf toward the Shiv, but he is so quick. He takes off at a full-speed run. Misk, you've never really seen him move in action like this, but now that you are, I mean, you've seen what this elf can do, and you know that he has access to great power, but the Shiv, in spite of the fact that he is using nothing magical at all, as far as you can tell, he is holding his own very easily. And every once in a while, you'll just see another dagger come flying out from his waist and it'll stick into the shoulder or to the leg of this elf. Because where the elf is doing everything he can to try and hit him, the Shiv is just doing everything that he can to avoid being hit while taking little slices and little cuts where he can. Misk is probably in awe. She probably hasn't taken her eyes off of them. Like you said, she has never seen the Shiv do this or fight like this. So she's pretty much in awe. Well, the fight goes on and uh, for just not long, seconds, you know, and, and you are, you're frozen, awestruck by what's happening. And uh, Miles coughs in your arms and some blood spurts out of his mouth onto your arm. And Miles, I need you to make me a death saving throw. It's a 17. Okay, so that is one success, but you are still <laughs> unconscious and you are still unstable. And Misk, you're sort of brought back in that moment to the realization that Miles is hurt really bad. What do you do? Shiv, listen. Miles is hurt. I don't know if he's going to survive this. Please, just stop. No one even acknowledges you, and you're pretty sure they can't even hear you. At this point, things are in such pandemonium. There is screaming, swords. You are on your knees in the midst of a raging battle. Off to the side here as the Shiv and Aranis are trading blows, and for lack of a better word, it's an epic battle. Okay, so... They've forgotten that you're there. So, Misk is... She screams, and no one hears her, and she's just... She's not used to that. Right. Usually, she's always heard. Right. So, she's really upset, and she's almost to the point of just crying because mm-hmm. all this is going on. She's also in pain because the ringing. Mm-hmm. She's got Miles down in her arms, and she's going to just hug him up. Okay. Like hold him up close to her with her um, mouth next to his ear, mm-hmm. and she's kind of like a little like if a kid's hurt. Sure. 
the mom would like hold her really close right and just hold her cheek onto his cheek and hum into his ear casting healing words Misk, as you hum this soothing tune, you feel that bardic magic just well up inside of you, and um, you can sense as the wounds, and you can see as the blood sort of stops on the back of his head, and his eyes start to flutter, and Miles, you regain 12 hit points of health. Just maximum health comes flooding back into you. Where's your loot? Miles. (laughs) And I just hug him up. You two have sort of a, you know, a tender moment there. It's kind of touch and go there for a second. And, uh, Miles, you're awake now and, and you're aware. You remember everything. You look over and you see your colleague is there dead on the ground. And you also see that now this elf is locked into just insane combat with the Shiv. They are trading blows. Spells are flying overhead. You see the Shiv batting away attacks with his swords rushing forward and slashing and then running off and they're locked into somewhat of a stalemate but also you notice that things are starting to get more and more just pandemonious before when you first got here this was almost sort of like a separated little arena but now it's flooding with people and misc you and miles both look around you see more people now than before that are just wearing normal clothes and wielding just a stick or a club or a frying pan or just some blunt instrument and you see hot feet being backed into corners by all of these people just yelling at them and wielding these weapons above their head trying to cow them back miles you can even see that many of them many of your colleagues the hot feet are starting to try and slink away tuck into the crowd and escape in fact, looking around now, you notice that the young girl that was with you before is nowhere to be seen as well, which is, you know, concerning, but also you don't see her body lying there either. So maybe she's run off home, she's escaped, she saw someone that she knew, but she's no longer your concern. As Miles gets up out of her arms, he's going to cast uh, Ultra Self again. Okay. Make himself look like a normal branchiering. Just a regular short branchiering who's just wearing regular, you know. Easy to blend in. Right. And he's gonna just gonna get up and he's gonna say, Miss, let's go. Let's just let's get out of here. Enough has been done and we can't risk anymore. Misk looks over, looks at the shiv, looks back at Miles and says, Okay. So I get up and I start heading towards the uh, initial direction of trying to go to the barley barrel. So the two of you begin pressing through again, trying to get through, trying to escape. As you do, you come upon a very strange sight. There is this war taking place, this battle for Branshire, and right in the middle of the street, right in the middle of Circle Street, probably 150 yards away from where you just got up to run off, you do come across a couple of wagons, and there are horses on them, and they're trying to move through the crowd, and there are people on them dancing and trying to, like, sing and put on somewhat of a show. But it's almost funny watching this go on amidst people all around with just swords clashing and yelling and screaming. This place has gone nuts. To think that it would be this after what it was just six days ago when you first got to the festival, it's baffling to the mind. But here you are amidst all this trouble, all this going on, 
and people are dying. Just on the other side of this small train of wagons, this pittance of a parade, if that's what you'd call it, is the barley barrel. You can see it from where you stand. You press your way around this farce of a parade onto the right side, hugging against the buildings on the outer ring of Branchire, making your way north, trying to get to where you can make a break for the door of the barley barrel to get inside to find safety. And you do have to run past an enemy here or there that tries to engage you or tries to call you out or do something and occasionally one of you might fire off a spell like you can cast spells miles that don't require concentration or different things just to try and escape or you know you're just running through you're pressing through the best that you can you see the barley barrel and you go to make your break for it and as you do you turn the corner around the last of these wagons and at that moment there is a loud sort of whining sound it kind of takes you back at first and you look up to see all of these things just firing off the back of this wagon miles you know exactly what this is misc you probably do you've probably seen it too it's fireworks there are tons of fireworks all loaded onto the back of this final wagon of the parade and they are all going off at once and firing into the sky and people are shrieking and kind of huddling back and you know afraid not knowing what's happening you know in the midst of a battle fireworks going off is not exactly what you want but you all look up to see as these small rockets fire into the sky and explode in a burst of color and light and you notice now that the rain has mostly come to a stop but the wind has not the wind is still blowing and howling through these streets And now that you're looking up and you see just outside the door to the barley barrel, you see these rockets of light going off into the sky. You see that the sun has set. There is that dark, orangish-red sort of glow over the city. Now that the sun has hidden behind its last peak and you are now at the moment of dusk on the final day of the festival. And looking up, you see the clouds above because it is a very cloudy day. You see them start to move. And it's like I said, the rain has stopped, but the wind, if anything, is picking up. And you all see up above you as the clouds start to spin, twirling up above you. And your first thought is a cyclone, right? Yeah. Right. You even see as these clouds gather and twirl up above you and the wind blows just whistling in your ears with these strong winds but the clouds don't descend and spin but rather they gather over the very center of the city you all can see from where you're standing right through the northeastern gate a direct view into the core of the city and you can see off in the distance the gleaming golden temple of Pelor. But right above the temple, because if if you were looking at it from above, you would see that it is dead center above that temple. These clouds have gathered and begun to spin. Not like a cyclone, but like a slow-moving swirl. And the clouds take on this sickening, terrifying purple hue. And it's black, and it's purple. And this cloud is descending over the city, but it's not like a cyclone. It's like, like I said, it's not a tornado. It's not wind blowing in a storm. It is a slow moving cloud as if it's suddenly become very heavy and began to make its way down toward the temple of Pelor. 
and it is spinning and swirling. And Misk, you can't help but in this moment think of that swirling pendant on the lapel of Braxentaric because it almost looks as if the person that made that pendant formed this cloud in the same image. Misk, the moment that you realize that there is something just horribly wrong happening right here in the center of this city, the sky opens up and rain doesn't fall down, lightning does. It strikes all over the city. The wind whips up and suddenly Branshire is overtaken by a terrible, terrible storm. People are now dropping their weapons and running for shelter, and suddenly everything falls into chaos. People are just running, trying to get under something, get somewhere. The city looks like it could be torn apart by the storm that suddenly opens up over Branshire, and you can see that cloud drawing closer and closer to the high glass roof of the Temple of Palor. And Miles, you don't know what's happening, but you know that you have got to get to safety. And honestly, If something doesn't happen, you're not sure that anyone here is going to survive this. Bridget, my beloved, my dear, my wife, if we could, I'm afraid we're going to need your blood. And the look on her face just kind of sinks. She's like, what? Uh, I don't understand. He says, I am sorry, my dear, but in order for the ritual to be effective, I'm afraid I'm going to need the blood of three Solaran children. You have been an exemplary wife, let me just say. I have thoroughly enjoyed our time together. You are a wonderful person, and I am sorry, but it has to be your blood. And as he says those words, before she can do anything, react in any way, his men holding her drag her over toward the spiked obelisk. They lift her up over their heads, and they bring her body down on the largest of the three needles. That's fine. Oh, my god! And the point drives up through her back and right into her heart. She lets out a scream in pain, but quickly she goes silent as her heart is pierced through and she hangs there on this spike and her hand goes limp. And when it does, that amulet with the swirly in her hand clatters to the floor. And as the blood drains from her body down through that spike and into the swirly carved in the center of this purple and black altar, you feel as the magic that was holding you before is released. Here we go. Braxton hears and sees as you all begin to stir, and he notices as Brianna and Tariella both start to shake their heads coming to, he quickly grabs the amulet from the floor and resumes the control over the two sisters. Oh, what a nuisance. I forgot that Bridget's power was the one that was holding you all still. Well, it's no matter. If you three could take care of them for me, please. And he waves his hand toward his three henchmen. 
And as he does, they begin to convulse and shake all over. And you see as this black and purple foam begins to pour out of their mouths. And they're just shuddering and jittering all over. And then these black tendrils of power come crawling up out of their bodies. And it wraps them up in a cocoon, but almost like a mummy being wrapped in bandages. But instead, it's these black tendrils of power and each of them is engulfed by this energy and then they hunker down brought low to the floor onto their knees and then suddenly they stand tall again and before you there are no longer three human henchmen but rather they look just like the three of you seemingly made of pure darkness like liquid shadow there stands Saul his entire body black as shadow and his eyes glow with a purple hue, wielding a dagger in his hand, much like the one that you wield, Saul. There's a shadowy form of Brackle. He pulls from his back a bow and knocks an arrow, staring you down, Brackle, with a similar purple glare. And then Kjorg, as if made purely as your opposite, this shadowy version of yourself stands before you, but his skin is a smoky white like the negative of a photo, wielding in his hand a mace, shaped exactly like yours. And as the three of you draw your weapons in response, they rush at you. Let's roll initiative. I kill him. Boy. I kill him. 20. That's all. I got a 14. I got a 6. <laughs> it's Shadow Link. Dark Link is awesome. Let me give you a little bit of what the room is. I mean, it's like a 100-foot room. You guys are over against the wall. I'll say that within the turn, you're within 30 feet of the three guys that were there. Braxton is over on the other side of this big altar thing. Bridget's body is hanging there. Brianna and Tyriella are standing very close to Braxton within arm's reach. He's got them right there where he could just put his arm around them. So they are right there, and he's kind of behind this altar thing. And as these guys are charging toward you, these big pillars, almost like corrupted looking stalagmites are growing up out of the floor and causing these obstructions throughout the room. One of them kind of grows up right between you and the altar and Braxton. Look, Brackle trees. And these three are rushing toward you. Saul, you have the first opportunity to act. Okay, so they're coming at us. We're all three abreast. Am I in the center left, right? I'm in the center. Center's fine. And so moving to my left would take me closer to Braxton, right? Uh, moving to your left would make it where you could see Braxton. Braxton's across the room from you. Can I see Tariel? Mm, no, but you could move to the left and see her. I'm going to move to the left, and I'm not going to say anything yet. I'm not going to let him know I'm doing it. I just want to shoot magic missile and try to hit her in the skull. You shoot magic missile at Tariel. As the bolts are flying just before they get there, I'm going to shout above the chaos of everything that's going on. Never try to outwit a devil and let the darts, all four of them, just thud into her head. Hopefully. Okay. Right as they're about to hit her head, they hit this invisible wall. Of course. Seems like maybe the same spell he was using when you guys were in his room. I really thought, honest to God, that he would use it. I was just hopeful. Yes. So it hits that wall and when it does... He just laughs. <laughs> A devil, Saul, really. You have already been outwitted. And as he says that, the evil Saul rushes toward you, drawing his dagger. He is going to stab you with it, or try to. 
I would dash farther to the left, deeper. Like, okay. The point is, it's like a big circular. It's room. to try to get out of range of being stabbed by Shadow Saw. Okay, you're you're moving. You're kind of trying to be on the move. I'm totally fine with that. He is trying to intercept you. What's your AC? Fifteen. Fifteen. Okay, he rolled a fifteen. Ooh. So he comes right at you, and he does you five damage. You've never been to hell. And I'll fire Hellish Rebuke in its face. Oh, oh, okay, do it. Yeah. Must make a dexterity saving throw, which is great for Shadow Saw. Okay. It takes 2d10 fire damage on a fail, or half as much on a successful. He rolled it 5 plus 5, which is 10. Yeah, that ain't gonna break my spell, DC. So that's a failure. Alright, roll me that damage. That's 8 plus 5. So that's 13 damage? All right, you hellish rebuke him, and when you do, he lets out a, like a scream, but it, it's like it's really weird sound, like it's reverberating, like you see the shadow on him kind of shake. You hit him really hard, nice, and you see that shadow kind of shimmer around him. Okay, Kjorg, you see a big version of you. He rushes at you and he swings full peel at you with a mace. Okay, I think that's a hit. That's a twenty-two to hit. Definitely a hit. Okay, let me roll that dice. All right, so you take nine damage. He just comes rushing at you, and he draws his shadowy mace, and he brings it right up into your chest, and you feel the force kind of come off of it as it hits you square in the chest, kind of knocks the breath out of you a little bit. He backs up and just kind of brandishes his mace at you again, and it's your turn. Beautiful. All right, what do you do? All right, here's what I do. I'm going to use my mace on his face. All right, do it return the favor that's a nine total yep that's not gonna do it would you do anything else i really want to hurt that guy okay i guess i'll use my inspiration all right that's a 22 that's a hit Ooh. knock his skull off roll it that is nine damage all right you bring that mace into him and when you do it hits him square in the chest and that, you know, your mace has that weird thing it does sometimes where it kind of glows blue. Yeah. It glows blue and when the head of it hits him in the chest, he lets out a shriek and it kind of blows the shadow back and your mace kind of cuts through the shadow and actually hits the flesh of the person underneath him and it sends him flying backward like 15 feet. You feel like, oh wow, that really, really hit him really hard. And what was that, non-damage? Yep. Okay. Very nice. Brackle, you see you standing over there, and he was rushing towards you, but instead of rushing in, he actually kind of turns on a dime and does a little spin behind one of those stalagmites that grew up, and you see him peer around from the other side and lease an arrow at you. What's your AC? 17. Are you sure he didn't climb a tree or sharpen his nails first? He got, he got an 18 after modifiers. So that's a miss. That is a hit. No. All right. Let's see. I need a D8. No. Okay, that's not very good. An arrow comes flying around, a shadowy arrow, and it pierces you right in the shoulder for six damage. Ooh. It's not allowed. Okay, it's your turn, Brackle. Okay, so I want to return the favor. So I want to take my longbow of vigilance. Okay. And I'm going to roll a die, and I'm going to get a 13. Okay, that's not good enough. No. Okay, so you loose an arrow at him, and it's not enough. Yes, it's not enough. So, looking around here, is there anywhere I can take cover? There are stalagmites growing up. There's like probably six or seven of them around this area. You could probably get to one kind of tucked behind it. 
I'm going to do that. I'm going to run and get behind it. Okay. Are there any trees I can climb? There are not. No, no trees. Okay. Okay. So now it's your turn again, Saul. Ooh, man. Dark Saul is standing right in front of you. Right in front of me. He's got a grin on his face. Is he smoking a cigar? Because I, I, I'm smoking a cigar. He's got a cigar sticking out of his mouth. Oh, man. Does it have white smoke? Yes. Ooh, very nice. How f- much closer am I to our friend Braxton with the two ladies? Mm, you're about the same distance you were before. You kind of circled around. Okay. I guess I'm going to try to deal with the thing that's in front of me. Okay. I'm going to return the favor. Let me show you, Shadow, how to really use a dagger. And try to go low and come up on him. All right. Roll it. Old-fashioned knife fighting. It's a natural 20. Oh, boy. Roll me that sweet crit damage. It's 1d4 plus 4. If only you were going to get sneak attack damage on this. I know, kid. The first four is a 4. Okay. The second one's a 4. Okay, so that's 12 damage. Yeah. All right. That's good. Yeah, 12. You bring your dagger up into his chest, and when you do, he lets out another scream, and that shadow kind of peels back off of him. But before it goes too far back, he brings his hands together, and he unleashes a hellish rebuke on you. Oh, God. Here it comes. Roll me a deck save. He gave me an 18. That's real good. So you're only going to take half damage. Yeah. And that's pretty weak, too. You're only going to take three damage. Nice. Fire comes pouring out of him, but it's like a purple fire, and it licks up around your arms where you've stabbed him, almost like he's trying to get you to let go, but Mm. you you almost just seem emboldened by it, and instead of dodging out of the way, you actually just push him with all your force on the dagger into his chest, and when you do, he falls back, and the shadow kind of like smacks the ground around the guy, and there's just a human laying there with the dagger in his chest dead. Yes. Saul's going to cunning action dash towards the back of Kjorg's shadow monster. Okay, so you're running toward Kjorg's, dude. Yep, I need some help. And as you're making your way over there, you all uh, notice that Braxton Tarek turns his hand and he kind of motions come closer to Tyriella and Tyriella steps up to the altar and she begins to like climb up onto mm. the second highest of the spikes. All right, it is Dark Kjorg's turn. Dark Kjorg, after taking that to the chest, he gets up and he runs toward Kjorg, and he's going to try and hit him again. 18. That's a hit. You take eight damage. That's not good. You take that to the chest, and he's going to action search. Oh, my gosh. And that was a 17. Is that hit? Yep. All right. Oh, that's man, he's rolling for crap on the damage, though. That's a six damage. I wouldn't say it's crap. I mean, he rolled a one. That's That's a one on his damage. Wow. All right, that is the end of his turn. No, oh, actually, he's also going to use second wind. Ridiculous. Of course he is. Kind of restore himself a little bit. Wow, he rolled one. So he regains a few hit points. Not worth much. Okay, now it is Kjork's turn. This boy, you ain't going to be me and get away with it. <laughs> There's only <laughs> one people's champion. So since he's macing me, it would just make me want to mace him more. Okay, do it. That's what I was going to do. All right. The 19. Bam. That's a hit. That's six damage. All right. You bring it up into his face. And when you do, it kind of does like it did before. That shadow kind of like blows back off of his face and it connects with the human underneath. It knocks him back again. He's slowly getting back up, but he's not looking good. And that shadowy stuff around him is just vibrating. As he's flying away, I wanted to chase him down since I didn't use a move. 
Okay. And use my action surge. Oh, do it. To smash him into the ground. Oh, yeah. I'm going to say you have advantage. Yeah, boy. boy. He's on the ground. It's a 16. That, I believe, meets your armor class. It do. It do. That's a hit. Break him. That's eight damage. You bring your mace down into his face. And when you do, the shadow blows off of him like a wave from head to foot. His head is just a puddle of brain and bones beneath your your mace. What? Very, very nice. Mess with the people's champion. All right, Brackle, you are tucked behind a wall trying to hide. And around that time, you hear footsteps as someone runs around the other side and is going to bring a longsword up and try and slash you with it. Great. He runs up beside you and he goes to bring his longsword up and just like swing it right at you onto the chest. But he ends up hitting the stalagmite and when he does he like chunks a piece of it off and it falls down onto him giving him four bludgeoning damage yeah wow take that because he rolled in that one Woo! okay and that ends his turn so i guess i'll draw my short sword and stab at him all right it's a 15 ah that's not enough you need a lower ac brackle i don't know what to tell you you need to get a lower ac yeah so i try to run still all right He's going to swing at you. Actually, you know what? I'm going to say that due to his natural one, that he won't get an opportunity to attack on you. Fair. How's that? That's, that works. All right. You get to run. You take off running and you head where? Where do you head? I try to put some, like, try to get somewhere where he couldn't easily get to me again so I can uh, have my bow ready. All right. As you're running across, you do see that Tyriella has climbed almost up to the top of this spike. Saul, it is your turn. Saul is going to dash as quickly as possible towards the girls. Okay. And I'm going to take my non-venomous dagger and sling it with everything I got and try to hit her again. Okay. I tried magic. Let's try something physical. Okay. And when I do it, I'm going to scream out kill her now or this we all everyone dies. And then I'm just slinging the dagger. Okay. You sling the dagger. You don't need to roll it. It's not going to go through the wall. Yes. It's not magic, and it's not daggers. <laughs> she does not respond to you in any way. And Braxton kind of chuckles, and he says, Saul, you've already lost. And Tyriella climbs up onto the spike, and he just kind of gives her a, a little nod and says, Go ahead, my dear. And she leans over and just releases herself onto this spike and the weight of her body drives her down onto it and it pierces up into her heart and she dies amazing that's two <laughs> it is now Kjork's turn how far away is Braxton Tart? you're about 30 feet probably from where Braxton is more or less really? what are you wanting to do? Kjork would just run that way toward Braxton? I want to. I want to use second wind before I move. Okay, that's fine. It's one d10 plus your level. That's six. Okay, you regain six hit points. Great. All right, now you're you're running that way. Yes. Okay. You can't get to him in thirty feet. You could get within fifteen feet of him, and if you were to circle, you could circle around if you wanted to. You know what I'm saying? You could try to come in from his right. Okay, let's do that. Okay, you go after him coming in from his right. What do you do? Oh, so I can actually get not close to him? You're within 15 feet of him. That's what you know. Okay. 
I'm gonna scream at the top of my lungs. What do you say? You're just screaming. Just screaming. Okay, and do what? Like 20 roaring orcs. Like 20 roaring orcs. Okay. And throwing an axe. An axe at his face. Roll it. Well, it's an 11. You screaming, running toward him, throw your axe, and it does not hit an invisible wall, but it goes past his head. Really? Well, Salt, you were coming up from the other side, and you were shooting at Tyriella. Truth. He came up from the right side and attacked him. Saul sees this. <laughs> the spell that he's using, he can shape it, okay? And it can only be so big. It can be a sphere. It can be a dome. It can be a, just a flat wall. Right. And it's only a certain size, but he can move it anywhere within 120 feet of himself that he wants to. I see. And right now he has basically a Tariel shield sphere around Tyriella. I see. I the first time it was just a wall, but after he saw you try to hit Tyriella... I mean, that's all he's done on his turns. He's not done any attacks. He's just controlled this wall. I understand. All right. So that is the end of your turn, Kjorg. At this point, evil Brackle draws his bow and is going to fire at you, Brackle. No. And he rolls a 13. He misses. Yes, he do. The fool. Okay. That is the end of his turn. He's still hunkering back behind this thing. It's your turn, Brackle. I do that thing to him, what he just tried to do to me. Okay. Roll it. Um, 18. That's a hit. I did it. All right. 11. Wow, that's a good good damage. Okay, so... I rolled a 7. Your arrow goes into him, and when it does, it almost glows with this greenish tint as it strikes into his chest, and he lets out a shriek, and it seems like that arrow almost burns him a little bit, and he shrieks back against the back wall where he's not in cover now. He's not dead, but that really seemed to really get to him. Yeah, it did. Like extra special. Okay, at this point, Saul, it is your turn. Tyriella is dead. He's going to go for Bridget with the uh, venomous dagger. Brianna. Yeah, Brianna. He's going to not apologetically uh, try to cut her throat as quickly as possible. All right. You rush her? I rush her. You rush at her, and right when you get within five feet of her, you bounce off of a solid wall. So he's walled her right now, yeah? I mean, it would it would appear that way. You reflect off of it. I'm not going to make you take any damage, because you weren't dashing, I don't think, were you? No. Okay, I'm not going to make you take any damage, but you hit a wall. You're pretty sure that she's protected right now. Okay, so I will, uh, I will coat my dagger in venom as my action. Okay. And I will dash and try to go right up behind Braxton. Okay. All right, you do that. Braxton's turn, he's going to turn to Brianna, and he's going to give her a nod, and she's going to make her way toward the altar. And he is going to spend his action trying to... Well, he's going to... You don't exactly know how he's going to spend his action. Right. He's doing stuff. You don't even know. Okay. Jord. Boy, you already know. All right. All right. Bash his That's skull. That's what I in. said. All right. Bash his skull. What you do? Uh, mace of smiting. No, I'm not using my mace of smiting. I'm gonna use my whip to try to whip him. All right, him. do it. It's a sixteen. Okay. That's a hit. Ooh. 
Roll me that damage. Five damage. Okay. You bring your whip back and you pop it forward. And as you do it, it kind of hits him right in the neck. And it draws just a line of blood. And he lets out a cry and smacks to his neck. And he just snaps his head towards you with a scowl. Ooh. You do anything else? Yeah. So uh, as I whip him, mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna nay nay it like forward a little bit and use my sickle. That's fine. Boy, and that is a twenty-one. That's a hit. Mm-hmm. That's seven damage. Ooh. All right. So you come up and you kind of slash him with your sickle and he brings a hand up to try and kind of like block himself and it just slashes across his hand. He lets out another cry and he's just <laughs> gritting his teeth at you. Boy, you going to learn today. Evil Brackle <gasps> draws his bow and he pulls back and he lets loose at you, Alan. Does an 18 hit your AC? Yes. All right. And as the arrow is spiraling toward you, Brackle you notice that it is changing on the way over there, and he's actually going to cast Hail of Thorns. Ooh. That's not allowed. Oh, boy. You're going to take a sum of damage. Okay, so you take five damage from the arrow. No, six damage. No. Sorry. No five. And then I need you to make a dexterity saving throw. I rolled a 23. Yeah, so you're going to take half damage. No. Okay. Okay. So... You take, oh boy, he rolled max damage, so I'm <laughs> glad you did the half. Shut up. You take five piercing damage. So that's 11 total? Yes. Okay. We did good, guys. It was fun while it lasted. Okay, it's your turn, Brackle. So I want to cast Hell of Thorns. I say forget evil Brackle. Okay. He, he ain't even real, and I fire at <laughs> Braxton now that I realize that he's not shielded. Okay. All right, fire. 14. That's not enough. You're not enough. Do you have any inspirations? I do, actually. So I'll use my inspiration to roll another die. Okay. Kill him. That is a 15. That hits. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I did it. All right. Roll the damage. Okay. So the standard damage is eight. Okay. And then the Hail of Thorns damage... It is five or half if he can pass a deck save. Okay, he succeeds on his deck save. No, so he's going to take two damage from that. You release your arrow, and it hits him with all these thorns kind of pop, popping all over him. Also, since you're within five feet, Kjorg, I'm going to need you to make a dexterity saving throw. Uh, oh, no. What if I don't want to make a dexterity saving throw? I can just award you full damage, I guess. Well... You might as well, because I got an eight total. Okay, so you take you take five damage. I love it. Five piercing damage. Ouch. All right, so now Saul. it is Saul's turn. Saul is coating his dagger, and while he's doing that, he's watching Jorg smack Obrax in there with the whip. Mm-hmm. He's really conflicted about what to do exactly, um, but he's going to move towards Brianna one more time with, like, his, not his knife hand, just his loose hand. Okay. To see if he can, you know, can he touch her right now? And that's that's how he's going to spend his move. Okay, yeah. You reach out to touch her, and no, you can't touch her. Uh, as soon as I feel that that's there, I'm going to throw my poison lace dagger into the back of Braxentar. Okay, roll it. Yeah, that's that's a 10. 
That's a four plus six. Yeah, that's not going to do it. Your dagger goes flying. Inspiration roll, please. Sweet Lord. That's an 11 plus six to oh, 17. That wee. will do it. All right, roll that damage. Oh my gosh, he, I can't he's roll. He's getting too excited right now. He's just throwing the dice everywhere. <laughs> They're going across the room. I, I got a two, so two plus four. Okay, so six damage. Yep. All right, now roll the poison. Uh, DC 15, constitution save, or take 2d10 damage. He rolled a 15. Oh my god. Plus one, so 16. Oh, that's... Sorry, bruh. Oh, actually, you get sneak attack damage. Oh! Sneak attack! Roll that sneak attack, which is 2d6. I will roll 2d6s. Seven damage. All right. Doing good, doing good. All right. He is beginning to show signs of this damage, and I'm going to roll. Okay. He kind of lets out a cry, and he reaches back, and the dagger's like in his back, and he kind of pulls it out, and he's like... You three fools are not going to stand in my way. And it is now his turn. Please. (sighs) Please help. Why you do this? I really don't want to lose. All right. I'm like panic rolling my dice over here. He turns to Saul. He flies toward you. Oh, Oh, no. And he grabs you by the shoulders. Saul smiles. These black tendrils come out of his fingertips. And they wrap themselves around your head. And they begin to squeeze. And I need you to make me a intelligence saving throw. That's a six on the dice. Ten. You're grappled. And as these tendrils dig into your head, you begin to hear this shrill cry screaming in your ears. Okay? And you take ten psychic damage. Ooh. I have, I have seven HP. Yeah. And you are stunned. Stunning. I gotta look up what's thunder. You're incapacitated. You can't move. You can only speak falteringly. You automatically fail strength and deck saves, and attack rolls against you have advantage. Nice. Also, you can't take actions or reactions. That's what I was worried about. You're basically <laughs> you basically can't do anything at the moment. Great. Hey guys. Yeah. Your friend currently has these black tendrils coming out of uh, Braxton's hands, and they are trying to dig their way into his skull. Sounds like you're making that up. I'm not. Well, I mean, I am, but I'm not. Please kill him. It is your turn, Kjorg. Your acquaintance over there is not doing great. What's your current hit point value, Saul? Seven. Ooh. I'm telling you, man. You lucked out on that roll. I'm just telling you, I rolled a two and a three on two D10s. Dang. All right, go ahead. How far away is he now? Eh, probably 15 feet. Oh, he's plenty close enough. So I'm going to run up and do the exact same thing I did before. Kjorg. You're rushing toward him, and you see Brianna climbing up onto the spike. How far away is the spike from him? I mean, it's equidistant. You're about 10, 15 feet away from each. He's, like, next to the spikes. Oh, boy. Can I, like, run up and grab her? Sure, I'd allow that. Oh, boy. I'm going to run up and grab her. I do need you to roll me a strength check. That's a 17, I think. Yeah, that's plenty. I mean, she's not super strong, but she is holding on to the spike. So you grab her, you've got enough momentum to kind of like run by and just like hook an arm around her and pull her off of it. Yeah, boys. When you do, she screams out, uh, and I'm going to let her roll a save. She rolled not well, so she's still under whatever sort of charm she's under, but you have pulled her off the spike, and that's the end of your turn. Evil Brackle is going to release another arrow at you, Brackle. 
He rolls an 18 on uh, to hit. Is that a hit? Dang. That is a hit, in fact. Man, he's rolling. He's rolled really poor on his damage, I just want to say. Yeah, he has. That is a six. A six? Six damage. I'm dead. Are you really? No. I'm going to say, you've got pretty decent HP. You should be okay. I mean, I'm not great. Right. I'm down to 15. All right, Brackle, you see your friend, your that guy you know over there is about, he's in bad shape. Yeah, he is. I'm going to die. So I cast Hunter's Mark on Brexon. Okay, it's a bonus action. And that means that when you hit him, you do an extra 1d6 damage. I thought it was an extra 1d20 damage. No, it's just 1d6. Okay. So then after that, I shoot at him with my bow of vigilance. Okay. Yeah, I didn't hit him. Oh no, what was it? I rolled a 2, which makes it an 11. I'm going to do a saving grace moment here. Okay. I said it like this. Roll 20. Over 10, it's just a miss. Under 10, it hits Saul. It hits Saul? It does. I'm so dead. Roll me your damage. My damage? 1d8 plus 4. Roll it. 1d8 plus 4. Okay. 8. Okay. You take 4 damage, Saul as an arrow lodges itself into your chest region. When you do, it reaches down into your brain and you feel that pain. And I'm going to give you one opportunity to make a grappling escape. Okay. You've only got one shot. That's a 16 on the dice. And the DC is 15. <laughs> the... The air, the arrow. Good lord! What, <laughs> that's what happened that in your mind. That's, that's, that what, that's what Saul did. Saul's like, "Not today, Satan!" The arrow sinks in your chest, <laughs> and you jerk back, and you're able to pull your head free from the grapple, and you hit the ground. You're still shaken up, uh, yeah, but you manage to break free from that grapple, <laughs> and it is now your turn. Healing. Saul. Bewildered and disgusted, spits up some junk from where tentacles were like going up his nose. I want to run past him to get the heck away from that guy, and then my non venomous dagger, because I've lost the other one in Braxton's back, I'll just run away and throw a plain dagger at Braxton. Okay. That's a 15 on the dice, so that's 20. Yeah, that'll hit. A one. So four damage? Yeah. Okay. I won't die today. You say as blood's like pouring out of your ears and a bunch of holes in your head. Yes, <laughs> and my eyeballs. All right, it is now his turn. Really upset at what happened, but kind of unsure what exactly it was that happened. He turns to see Brackle standing there with a bow in his hand, and he just raises his hands, and he is going to shoot a lightning bolt at you. Oh, fudge. I do not like this monster. So I need you to make me a dexterity saving throw. Brackle. Dodge. So... I'm going to roll, and I'm going to roll a 19, in fact. Ooh, that's good. And not only am I going to roll a 19, I'm going to add 5 to it. So you add 5 to that 19 that you rolled. So now I'm going to roll the damage, (laughs) and you're going to take half of it. No, no. I only rolled 17 damage. So I take 8? You take 8 damage. Oof, that's still a lot. It is. I mean, it's not that bad, dude. Could, you could've been could worse. have taken a lot of. You could have taken forty damage. You could have just died. You could have taken yeah. forty damage. Straight up, straight up dead. Aww. All right, it is your go, Kjord. It's my go. Be the people's champion, Kjord. It's your go. Well, kill her while we can. We can save the world if we sacrifice just one. 
I could kill you right now. <laughs> it's really the answer, though. No one loves you. She'd be so much easier so, to kill than him. What Georg does is... Georg, be the people's champion. How far away is the man? Yeah, like 15 feet or so. 20 feet, maybe. Hmm. I'm gonna carry her my full speed away. Okay. I'll say you can you can pick her up with an action. Yeah, just boy. just go your other way. So you're gonna run 30 feet away. If, if, and if there's one of those thingies, stalagmite. Yeah, y'all say you can get the one, get behind it. Yeah. Alright, that's the end of your turn. Evil Brackle draws a bow and he shoots at you. He rolled 14. Does that hit you, Kjorg? Who, me? You. That don't hit me. Okay, so no. What's your I'm AC? the people's champion. And that's the end of his turn. Saul. So she, he's carrying her, right? Yes. He is over behind a stalagmite. Where's Braxton's attention? He just shot a lightning bolt at, at Brackle. So can I see his back? You can. So I can see my dagger of venom? He Yeah, he threw it on the ground. Oh, he pulled it out. Remember, he pulled it out of his back and threw it on the ground. I would like to uh, pick it up from next to his feet and snarling say, this belongs here, and try to stick it back in his back. Okay. 17 on the dice. Mm, that's a hit. Very nice. Very nice. These are all, all the damage. The two. No, six. Okay. And that's not a sneak attack, right? No, because you genuinely spoke to him before you stuck it into his back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. Genuine. My cunning action is to, uh, again, evade to get away. I don't want to be right in his face whenever he turns around. Okay. And I guess I'll move away from where Kjork went. You can only move about 15 feet. That'll work. So you get about 15 feet away from him. And after you stuck him in the back, he turns around. He's going to come at you. (laughs) With my own dagger, Saul's going to die. No, he's just holding the dagger. He's going to come at you and he's going to snarl and reach out and say I tire of your foolishness and he's going to reach out and uh, grab you by the head Charles what's your AC? 15 he hits you I'm squishy Oh, I'm dead guys I have 3 hit points the attack does 2d10 plus 4 so the minimum is 6 damage so you're going to take that damage and when you do you are unconscious that's not you guys also I need you to immediately make me a death saving throw. It's a nine. Okay. So that's one death saving throw that has been failed. (sighs) He has a hold of your brain. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt really bad, guys. He turns around holding a limp Saul up in front of you all. And he says, you think you know power? And he is going to unleash a blast in the direction of both of you guys. And I need y'all both to make me an intelligence save. That's not possible. I know he doesn't have that ability. You do? How do you know? Please share this information. Where did you get it? Roll me that intelligence save, boys. Ten. Ten? I rolled a 19. Okay. Freaking (laughs) Jork. Freaking Jork. I guess I have a minus one, so that would make it an 18. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Brackle, you take 14 psychic damage. Oh, no. Does that take you down? It takes me down to negative (sighs) 7. Brackle, your mind is racked with this otherworldly scream, and you 
Your eyes roll back in your head and you hit the floor. Kjorg, something to do with maybe where you're at or something you've you've managed to, you know, to resist, to stay away from it. You and Brianna are both safe from it. And it's now your turn, Kjorg. This isn't fair. Why do you have to be this way? Be the people's champion. So can we say as he's doing his whatchamajiggy, I'm going to try as a bonus action and shake her again? Or slap her? You can. Let's do that. Okay. You slap her and she, her eyes kind of roll back in her head and she, she goes, Oh, um, where, where am I? What, what's going on? What? Where are what's where are we? We're in a terrible place, being killed by Brax and Torque. And actually, you just need to stay where you are. And I'm about to try to kill this boy. I mean, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm just gonna try to shoot the guy with my longbow. Okay. I don't know what else to do. That's really that's about all you that's can. That's what do. I would do. Oh my gosh, let's roll right now. 16. It's a hit. All the damage. Three damage. You rolled a one, didn't you? Yeah, I sure did. He definitely did. I sure did. Okay, you sink an arrow into him, and when you do, he just lets out a cry, and he says, You've given it your best and most valiant effort, if I might say so, Kjorg. But you might as well let her go. You're backed into a corner. Your friends are dying on the floor. There's nothing left to do but give up. It's time for him to rise. Evil Brackle is actually standing up and he's just walking toward you with a sword in his hand. Braxton is floating in your direction. You're kind of back behind this thing, and you know, you peer around and you see them both walking towards you, and you're just like, What are you gonna do? Throw the bow onto the ground and rip the mace off my back. You rip the mace off your back, and as you do, you feel this energy kind of pulsing up your arm. You look down, and it's that same thing that mace has done a bunch of times since you kind of have gotten it here in those critical moments it's it's glowing blue and as it does you kind of hear this voice in your ear and it sounds like open kill oh yeah dragon man you shall smite down the children of darkness Kjorg. let this weapon be an extension of your arm and when great challenge rears its head May it be the power that you need. And at hearing those words, Kjorg, you are emboldened. You feel stronger, faster, ready. You feel great. I feel so good. You feel strength rush into your bones, into your muscles. <laughs> you heal to the effect of 20 hit points. And now you have an opportunity, one last chance to strike down this evil. Sprint. Full speed. Okay. Swing with both arms at his face. Do it. With advantage. It is a natural 20. Ha, it really I is. got a 20 and oh. a 15. <laughs> yes! Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. This could be something right here. Roll me the damage. You're going to get 3d6. 
Mm-hmm. So that's 12. Okay. Is that with your bonus? Plus 4, 16. All right. Now roll 2d6, which is the Mace of Smiting. It's five more. Holy cow. You bring this mace just crushing down where his neck meets his shoulder. It's almost like there's an extra push of force that comes behind that mace as it glows. And when it strikes him, it's like a bone-crushing strike. You feel the bone underneath on his shoulder just give way. (laughs) And he lets out a scream, and he's like levitating. It sends him like crashing onto the ground. And that wound where it struck him, a piece of like metal or something out of your mace stuck into his shoulder and just ripped clean in the bone. And he's like clawing at it and it starts glowing with this golden glow. Oh yeah. And then right behind him, someone kind of like just steps out. Oh. It's Zon. Oh no. Standing there, he looks down at him and he says, you dare attempt something like this at the very house of Paylor. Braxton starts crawling backward, just pulling half of his body as he is severely injured toward that altar, just trying to get away from Zahn. As he's dragging his body toward the altar, Zahn starts walking toward him, and as he does, his eyes burn with that bright orange color that they did before. And with each new step that he takes, Kjorg, you're noticing that he looks different. He looks bigger. His clothes burn away. No longer is he wearing that black leather garb that he typically does. But now he's wreathed in these white robes with golden threads that burn and shine like the sun. And with each step, he gets bigger and stronger and more terrifying. But the last thing that changes Kjorg as he steps toward Braxton, reaching down toward him, is his face. His gray and black hair lights a flame, and this flame grows all around the top of his head and wraps around beneath his chin like a burning beard. And in that moment, you can see his face. It is wreathed with the fire of sunlight. Reaching down with one massive hand, he grabs Braxton by the back of his robes and lifts him up off the ground. You dare to harm my children and desecrate my house? The crooked one whom you serve shall never be unchained. Braxton coughs, gasping for air, choking on the blood that's now rising up his throat. And now, held just above this altar by this terrifying form of light and fire... Braxton looks up into his eyes and says, What was chained will be unleashed. And then he drives his hand down on the last spike. And the moment that his blood begins to flow down that needle, Kjorg, everything around you goes insane. There is this pulse that goes out from the altar. Zahn drops Braxton's limp body to the floor and reaches out and grabs a hold of the spike that he just stabbed his hand onto 
and he begins to try and just wrench it free from the altar. As he is straining and pulling with all of his might, blood runs down into the swirling symbol carved into the center of the altar, and suddenly the room is lit with black and purple bolts of lightning striking up from the three corners of this altar. There is a sound of shattering glass from above you all, and you see as golden yellow glass falls from the ceiling kyorg all around the room, and this cavernous area is being torn apart as this dark purple and black cloud descends from above you all like a cyclone coming right down into the center of this altar. Striking out from this cyclone is black and purple lightning. Kjorg, a bolt of it, you see it strike and hit you and hit Saul and hit Brackle and your forms are lifted up off of the ground. You are yelling in pain. And then you see as white bolts of power come out from Zahn, this godlike figure that is doing all that he can to wrench that spike off of the side of the altar. As the cloud and the winds and the lightning strike and crash all around the room, Brackle, you and Saul are brought back out of your unconsciousness. (gasps) And in a moment of pure panic and pandemonium, you see that this room is being torn apart, and in the center is this bright, glowing figure with his hands around the third spike of the altar, pulling with all that he can, and you hear as he yells, pulling with all of his might, and then with a snap, the twisted black spike wrenches free from the altar, and as it does, you all hear the sound of something crooked, twisted. The mere sound of its voice almost sends you into madness. And you recall it, that same voice that you heard as the three of you were held dangling over that pit. It echoes through your minds as a blinding white light fills the room and you feel as though the winds will tear you apart. And then you know no more. Above you, the city of Branshire looks on as this dark black and purple swirling cloud ascends once again toward the sky and begins to disperse. Those clerics and branchierings that had taken shelter within the temple gather around to look down where the golden and yellow glass in the center of their perfect floor has been shattered. And below they see the wreckage of crumbled rock and stone. But they do not see the three figures that just stood vigilant for all of Manumi. They do not see the towering, powerful god that had just manifested himself on this world. And they cannot see, not yet, beneath those stones and that destruction, the crumpled body of their once mayor, Braxen Tarek. They will. But what of our three heroes? What of Kjorg, the people's champion? Saul, prince of the Nine Hells? And Brackel, the vigilant protector of this, his homeland? To find the answers to these secrets and more, tune in next week for the final episode of Season 2.